Strange indeed were the arrows of Elahi Baksh, for ultimately he himself became their prey. His curse struck upon his very own self. Will someone help me understand this mystery? Arrogance does not lead one to the beloved, the one who adopts utter humility becoming even as lowly as dust is the one who gets to meet the beloved. He who sees the love of the pure one must first purify himself, for only then would he meet him. Humility he loves, and self-abasement alone is the path to his court. How foolish is he who is arrogant and misguided, who allows his self to stray and wander aimlessly, who is always on the lookout for the faults of others, but remains oblivious to his own misdeeds. Then again on page 152 of his book Asai Musa, Babu Elahi Baksh announces the following revelation concerning me. This happened on the 7th of Ramadan, 1317 Hijrah. Translation, this man shall die an apostate. His mutual curse or the Mubahila prayer will be rejected and recoil on him. Paradise is closed for those who fear God. The import of this revelation is that Babu Lahi Baksh is righteous, that I am a disbeliever, and that the Mubahila or the mutual invocation of the curse of God to fall upon the one who lies shall, according to his revelation, fall upon me, whereas he will be successful in every single thing. Let it be clear that Le'an in Arabic means Mula'ana. The Arabic lexicon Lesan al-Arab states, in other words, the two expressions Le'an and Mula'ana refer to the act of two or more persons invoking the curse of God upon one another. In other words, la'na, or curse, means to deprive someone of every virtue, wealth, blessing, and betterment. Then, another meaning of the word la'na is given as, in other words, la'na means that one is rejected by God and is deprived of his acceptance. It also means to become degraded in the eyes of the people and to lose respect and honor. In short, in the sight of God, the term la'na or curse encompasses in its meaning every kind of frustration, deprivation, and rejection, and to be deprived of every type of blessing and remaining rejected and frustrated is among its essential requirements. The final outcome of whosoever becomes the target of God's curse is his death and destruction. This is why the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, had the Christians of Najran entered into the Mubahila, which is done by pronouncing the curse of Allah be upon the liars with me, they would have suffered such death and destruction as would have killed even the birds in their trees. Now every fair-minded person would understand the meaning of Babu Lahibaksh's vaunted revelation in which Mula'ana or invocation of curse by two mutually contending parties is mentioned. The meaning of the revelation is this, that the Mula'ana which took place between myself and Babu Sahib, which is mentioned on page 2 and page 7 of the book Asai Musa and elsewhere, shall have its evil consequences upon me alone, and that I will die and perish in his lifetime, whereas the fact of the matter is that the will of God Almighty manifested itself in the opposite manner. On the one hand, Babu Sahib died of the plague in my own lifetime, deprived of the fulfillment of every one of his wishes and desires. On the other hand, God blessed me with fruits and success in every way, so much so that I acknowledge my most profound gratitude that so far some 400,000 people have repented from their sins and disbelief at my hands. And God granted me such honor that I became well known with great renown and prestige throughout the world, namely Europe, Asia, and America.
Accordingly, Dr. Dawi, who commanded such honor and prestige as belongs to royalty in America and Europe, God caused him to die in response to my Mubahila, prayer duel, and my prayer, and caused an entire world to incline towards me. This phenomenal event was published by all the leading newspapers of the world and became famous and well-known to one and all. And I see that from among those who have taken the bet, pledge of allegiance with me, thousands adopted the ways of righteousness and a notable transformation took place in their deeds. Furthermore, from a worldly point of view as well, I was the recipient of great bounties. So far, the servants of God have humbly and courteously offered and continue to offer to me hundreds of thousands of rupees in cash and all manner of gifts. Footnote start. For instance, consider this prophecy made 26 years ago. Help will come to you by every distant track. People will come to you so that the track will become deep due to excessive travel. So many people will come to you that the track on which they travel will become deep. Allah will help you from himself. Such people will help you whom we shall inspire from ourselves. Be not arrogant towards Allah's creatures and be not tired of receiving visitors. Wonderful indeed is grace of God that on the one hand an old prophecy was fulfilled and on the other hand hundreds of thousands of rupees were received as income and several hundreds of thousands of people became my disciples. Footnote end. Indeed a veritable sea of diverse types of God's grace is flowing and apart from this God has manifested thousands of signs in my support. Hardly a month passes without any sign. Indeed, God himself has drawn the sword to confront the enemies on my behalf. Whoever filed any case against me in any court was forced to ignominy and defeat. And whoever entered into a Mubahila contest with me died or suffered great humiliation. Hence, by way of specimen, such signs of divine succor have been incorporated into the present book, Hakikatul Wahi. Now let those with the sense of justice tell me whether this revelation of Babu Lahi Baksh proved true, that the result of the mutual invocation of divine curse between myself and him would be that I would exclusively deserve death and destruction and that he would succeed in the fulfillment of all his designs? Was the result of the Mubahila in his favor or in my favor? And was the evil effect of the Mula'ana or invocation of curse averted from him or from me? O readers, for God's sake, reflect upon this so that God may reward you. But in any case, God Almighty has not yet ceased to show the signs of his help and succor. And I swear by him that he will not cease until he has demonstrated my truthfulness to the whole world. Listen, all of you who can hear me. Be fearful of God and do not transgress the limits set by him. Were this a human scheme, God would have destroyed me, and not a trace of all this, my work, would have been left. But you have seen for yourselves how the help and succor of God Almighty continues to be with me. So many signs have been manifested for me as defy counting. Look at the number of my enemies who perished after entering into a mubahila, prayer duel, against me. O creatures of God, do pause and think. Is this the way God deals with liars? Some ignorant people say that Atham did not die within his prescribed period. Yet they know that he died and I am still alive. Furthermore, prophecies of Wa'id, in which a prophecy is made of divine punishment to befall someone, are not necessarily fulfilled within the prescribed time frame.
As a matter of fact, they need not be fulfilled if the person who is warned repents or recants. Such prophecies can be, and have continued to be, warded off by a resort to profound regret, repentance, almsgiving, and charity on the part of the person who has been warned. The Holy Quran and earlier scriptures bear witness to this. Bear in mind that the prophecy of Wa'id means a prophecy pretending divine punishment. When God wills to send down some calamity upon a person on account of his sins, the way of Allah is that most of the times he averts such calamities if the person involved has recourse to repentance, seeking forgiveness, charity, and almsgiving. And when someone becomes subject to such a trial and turns to God Almighty as a result, then mostly such a one is shown mercy. This is how the chastisement upon the people of Prophet Yunus, Jonah, was averted. The whole world knows that repentance, seeking forgiveness, charity, and almsgiving serve to avert calamities, and a prophecy of Wa'id is nothing more than a calamity of which warning is given through someone commissioned by God. Thus, if it is true that a calamity can be averted through repentance, seeking forgiveness, charity, and almsgiving, then why cannot such prophecies be averted, the warning of which may have been communicated through someone commissioned by God? Furthermore, the ignorant enemies do not know that prophecies portending chastisement can be averted through mere penitence and entreating forgiveness of God and need not contain a condition. However, the prophecies concerning Atham, Ahmad Baer, and his son-in-law were conditional. In other words, it was written that they would be visited by a calamity if they persisted in their arrogance and did not retract. Thus, Atham proved through his silence, his refusal to take an oath or to prosecute or to make hostile remarks against Islam, that he had given up his rebellious misconduct. Furthermore, he clearly demonstrated his retraction by hanging out his tongue and placing both his hands on his ears right in the middle of our debate in the presence of some 60 to 70 witnesses, and no one can deny this. The audience at that time not only consisted of Muslims, but half of them happened to be Christians. Reliable testimonies also proved that he continued to cry for as many as 15 months. Does all of this still not establish the fact of his retraction? About Ahmed Baer's son-in-law, it should suffice to say that this prophecy was two-pronged, of which one was about Ahmed Baer and the other about his son-in-law. Thus, Ahmed Baer's death and the resultant shock demolished the arrogance and hubris of his relatives, and he died within the prescribed time frame. Those not related to them or not well informed about them cannot imagine the kind of devastation which overtook his other relatives, the lesson it taught them, and the gloom that overwhelmed them. The end result was that Mirza Mahmoud Baal, with whose family the martial ties had actually been established and who was in fact the head of the family, entered into the covenant of bath with me. Now, if in the face of all these facts someone still persists in speaking nonsense, what remedy can I have for him? How can I convince such a dark-hearted person who is totally bereft of decency and shame? What treatment can I apply to cure his deep-rooted sickness of prejudice other than allowing God himself to cure it? Is divine punishment not warded off by supplication and repentance? Show me quickly whose teaching this is. Or, dear ones, why have you become so shameless? You believe in the kalma, and therefore it is incumbent upon you to have at least some fear of God. Right on top of page 152, which records the revelation of Babu Sahib, in which he writes with regard to me, 
that this man shall die disbeliever and the evil end of Mula'ana, mutual invocation of curse, shall be caused to recoil on him. The following line of his is written. Tonight I received this revelation regarding the end of Mirza Sahib and the poor Muslims who follow him. And then on page 172 appears this revelation. It is indeed something nice and welcome that it should be decided whether truth is on the side of Mirza Sahib. Then on page 173 of Asai Musa, there is one of his revelations along with some introductory lines as follows. This humble one is also taught this prayer by way of revelation. He translates this to mean that, May God Almighty adjudicate between me and him, i.e. this humble one. Now the verdict that has been delivered is no secret. It is rather strange that his entire book is full of such revelations that during his lifetime I shall be completely eradicated. My entire jamaat will be scattered. The evil effect of the mubahila shall be cast upon me and that he will not die unless and until he witnesses my decline. And then his friends say that when he became ill with the plague, he received this revelation, i.e., now you are about to leave this world. Who is there whose heart does not cry out, the departure, after contracting this deadly disease? According to the Arabic lexicon, the term ta'un itself means death. I will not interject anything that the readers decide for themselves. First, Babu Lahi Baksh insisted vis-a-vis these revelations that he would live a very long life. For instance, long life and survival for long form part of the body of his revelation, and then it was said that the believers would immensely benefit from his long life. Then again is the revelation that he will not die unless and until he first sees my death by the plague and witnesses my total annihilation. Yet again is the revelation that he would attain very great heights within the world as well, that the whole world would turn to him. He would be the lord and owner of gardens and orchards, and that through him Islam would make great progress. These were the earlier revelations with which his entire book Asai Musa is full. But then when he fell ill of the plague and witnessing the daily death tolls of hundreds, the certainty of his own death by plague became so stark and real it was then that Babu received a revelation, the death or the departure, a revelation which annulled all the erstwhile revelations contained in his book Asai Musa. Nevertheless, even if this is assumed to be a revelation, it would mean to imply divine displeasure, not grace, indicating extreme misfortune and also the falsehood of Elahi Baksh's preceding revelations. Furthermore, there is nothing surprising about a revelation of this kind because most people, regardless of being believers or disbelievers, are wont to experience such dreams or receive such revelations when they lose all hope of recovery. In this context, a revelation would mean that, O oh Elahi Baksh, you thought you were going to live long and sought the destruction of the contending party and thinking that the inspirations of your baser self were revelations from God, you used to announce, My opponent will die of the plague within my own lifetime, but we command you to leave this world. In short, I need to not argue about the authenticity of this revelation. He might very well have received it by way of displeasure and warning that he, Ilahi Baksh, had better leave this world on account of his failure to accept the truth. I am surprised at the thinking of these people who, by ascribing the departure to Elahi Baksh 
as his revelation, destroy the sum total of his revelations, and do not realize that by doing so, they reduce the authenticity of the entire body of his revelations, on the basis of which he used to denounce me as a disbeliever and a Dajjal, and he used to call himself Musa. The truth of the matter is that all his revelations were confused dreams and promptings of the ego, and they were satanic insinuations, which is why they could not be fulfilled. Rather, they brought about his humiliation and disgrace. But of course, it is quite possible that the departure had actually been revealed by God because this phrase is by way of a reproach and warning. Indeed, even if Pharaoh had made the claim to have received such a revelation, there would have been no cause for us to reject such a claim because it is an established fact that everyone, regardless of their being a Mawahid, believer in oneness of God, or a polytheist, righteous or sinful, truthful or liar, can receive such a revelation in their dying moments. It is to this very issue that the following verse draws our attention. In Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 160 of the Holy Quran, meaning that, There is no one out of the people of the book who before his death fails to believe in the Holy Prophet wasallam, or Hazrat Isa, Jesus. It is recorded in the books of exegesis that the people of the book receive this revelation when they are going through the agonies of death or are at death's door. Evidently, they happen to believe only when God reveals to them that a particular prophet is true, but this revelation does not make them the elect of God. However, this indeed is the divine practice that when death is imminent, most people tend to see a dream or receive a revelation. It is not exclusive to any particular religion, nor is there the requirement that one be righteous and a doer of good. Then on page 180 of his book, Asai Musa, Babu Lahi Baksh writes, I too am commanded through revelation to be the helmsman of the ark, and after I was commanded by revelation to get the ark ready, it was revealed to me. In the name of Allah, be its course and its mooring. My Lord is assuredly most forgiving, merciful. This was followed by another revelation, namely, Surely those who are wrongdoers will be drowned. By the grace and benevolence of God Almighty, I am sure about the fulfillment of this revelation. Footnote start. On the one hand, Babu Lahi Baksh writes, I do not consider my revelations to be certain, for they may well be satanic. Yet he is so definitely hopeful about the fulfillment of such revelations. It is indeed surprising how with this meager wherewithal he opted for such ferocity. Surprisingly enough, he himself became the victim of the revelation which was received about the drowning of others. As for Babu Sahib's revelation, do not be hasty, I shall soon demonstrate my signs. It was fulfilled, as we know, with his death. True, his death is not a sign in his favor, but of course it is surely a sign in my favor. Footnote N by Hazrat Messiah Maudalai In addition, I have also received this revelation a number of times. The meaning of this revelation is that he alone is the helmsman who will carry passengers across and those who board his ark will be the ones who will be saved. Then pointing towards me, he says that those meaning me, who are unjust, will be drowned. He adds that it has also been revealed to him a number of times that God says, I shall demonstrate my science to these enemies. Let them not be so hasty. Now the readers can ponder that his death by the plague has proven all his revelations false, 
Would you call such people helmsmen who so readily drown themselves? Given that the promise was to drown those who were his enemies, namely myself, then what kind of a helmsman is he, and what kind of an ark? And what a revelation that backfires upon its own recipient. Then on page 186 of his book, Babu Sahib writes, The work of which Mirza Sahib is so proud and happy, its condition was spelled out in the revelation, meaning that all their deeds are found false and wanting. And on page 201 he says about me, Mirza Sahib, do not be so hasty. I am so certain and perfectly sure that in accordance with divine practice, those who are proud and arrogant and claim to have no equal must, by the grace of God, suffer failure and discomfiture. Now it is for the readers to answer. This phrase of the Munshi was about me, but did God, in accordance with his statement, cause me to die in a state of failure and frustration? Or was this the fate of Babu Ilahi Baksh? I do not want to say anything more, for he has already passed away. Footnote start. Some ignorant persons pointing to me ask, If Ilahi Baksh died the death of frustration, have all my desires and plans been fulfilled? However, they fail to ponder and reflect that I am still alive and my aims and objectives are being realized day by day, whereas Babu Sahib has died and his so-called staff of Musa, Moses, recoiled upon him and itself lies broken. Footnote end. Then on page 202 of his book, Munshilahi Baksh Sahib says, Balaam refused to curse in the first instance. Then his people bribed him and got him into trouble. That is how he brought about his ruin. There is an object lesson in this story for the person whose life resembles that of Balaam, who dispossesses people of their rights and makes false claims. This indeed is the sum total of his thesis. What a pity that Babu himself never paused to think about the fate of someone who attacks others without ascertaining the full facts and brands one who is honest and innocent in the sight of Allah and who in reality has neither usurped anyone's right nor has he made any false claim, as an imposter and a Dajjal without full evidence. He pays scant regard for this person in whose support signs of God are raining down in such profusion. Is there or is there not any penalty for a person of this kind? But there is no need to prolong these discussions because now, after his Mubahla and Mula'ana, Babu Saib has already witnessed the result of these false accusations and false speech. Then there is one more revelation of Babu Sahib, which is recorded on page 224 of his book, and it is as follows. Meaning that, whatever claim this man makes is false, he follows his own selfish desire, he has crossed the limit, that is to say, now the days of his destruction have arrived. Readers can themselves understand the response to this revelation.